You're listening to Dramas Over Flowers. This is an episode of The Spoiled Yak with Saya, Anissa, and Boroma. You guys are so articulate, you know, I don't want to go after you. More like we're so overbearing, we're like yelling over each other all the time. <laughs> yeah, what, what, what Saya said. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, I'm Anissa. In this episode, we revisit the classic 2009 youth drama, You're Beautiful, the iconic story of a nun who cross-dresses to take her twin brother's place in an idol boy band and unexpectedly finds love and family. This episode features a very special guest. My mom had just finished the drama and we managed to convince her to make her podcast debut. Thank you, Ami. We discussed whether the drama holds up, why the silly premise works so well, why it makes us feel so much, and more. We had a lovely time full of laughter and nostalgia, and we hope you enjoy. As always, we wouldn't be here without the support of our lovely Patreon patrons. Thank you from the bottom of our hearts. You can find our page at patreon.com slash dramasoverflowers. This episode is also brought to you by Kensington's newest title from Kate Pierce, The Rancher Meets His Match. This book is the fourth Western romance in the Millers of Morgan Valley, a spin-off of Kate Pierce's successful Morgan Ranch series. For the hardworking folks of Morgantown, home really is where the heart is, but sometimes it takes leaving for a while to figure that out. Caden Miller uses his carpenter skills to renovate a rundown neighboring ranch for the ailing owner, the father of his childhood nemesis, Julia Garcia. But can these two old foes ignore the sparks between them? Kate Pierce is known for her ability to create a realistic and compelling community filled with complex characters, which readers, especially fans of Western romance, are fond of revisiting. You can find The Rancher Meets His Match by Kate Pierce wherever books are sold. Find out more at kensingtonbooks.com. Hi everyone, this is Saya. This is Anissa. And this is Parma. And we have a very special guest joining us today, um, my mom. Hello. This is just like Yay. the podcast where Anissa's family members show up. <laughs> Welcome, Auntie. When Anissa first suggested it, I was like, there's no way I can, uh, you know, be in the same room with these three awesome girls and talk about dramas. <laughs> but she kept encouraging me and here I am. <laughs> Auntie, the rest of us wishes our family members were watching K-dramas with us and that we could talk about K-dramas with them. Anisa's the lucky one. Yeah, it's I am quite the lucky something. one. It, it really is, you know, the... Uh, yeah, Korean dramas are up there, definitely. Thank goodness for subtitles. <laughs> Could you actually, do you mind telling us a little bit about like how you started watching dramas and like what you what you think about them and what you're, because I, I think, I think that would be interesting. Sure. Well, of course, you're to blame, Anissa. <laughs> you're the... <laughs> yes. I'm asking like I don't know anything, but... Um... <laughs> and uh, yeah, there were uh, times when... Um, you know, we were going through a, a difficult time and um, Korean dramas brought uh, beauty and escape and, uh, you know, just a change. And it, you know, I saw that for Anissa, it, uh, you know, gave her a way to, um, you know, experience life that she was missing out on in such a beautiful way. And then, you know, I think the first uh, drama we watched together was uh, uh, City Hall. And 
it, it was something so different than anything I had ever watched before because the feelings and the emotions and the like they were just at such a different level you know I've been like just amazed at the quality of the stories of the characters of the production and yeah really enjoyed enjoyed uh, having this in in our lives I love that. That's really nice. I'm glad I was able to bring some joy into your life. <laughs> Can I ask oh, a definitely. slightly off-topic question? Sure. So, Auntie, you watch, you also watch, like, Pakistani serials, and I heard from Anissa that you're also deep into the Turkish drama, uh, Ertegrul. I'm mm-hmm. sorry if I pronounced that wrong. Um, and, of course, you watch um, Western TV. Between all of them, what? how do you think, how do you find Korean drama different? Or does it give you something that the other ones don't? It does. I feel like every, uh, you know, culture has something very beautiful about it. And that's why it's a privilege to be able to, um, you know, enjoy and experience, you know, all of these different cultures. And if you ask about Korean uh, dramas and what I feel is different and I appreciate about them and it's well first of all the actors they're like so beautiful like their skin is so radiant and you know growing up in the west you have this uh you know subliminally you get this feeling of you know a certain type of person is conceived as beautiful but then you have in you know Korean dramas a totally different look but they're just ethereal in their beauty and then on top of that, you have the styling and, you know, the fi- family dynamics and the Eastern values. And, you know, so it, I feel like all of those dimensions are missing in uh, everything that I watched in Western. You know, they Western uh, uh, programming needed like violence or, you know, something very, um, I don't know how to put it, but, you know, like I love subtlety. And I don't like to be slapped in the face with things, you know, because I feel that touches my heart much more. And I, I get that in Korean dramas more, more than in any other, you know, uh, medium. That's really well said. Thanks. Sorry, we started like asking you all these unprepared <laughs> questions. No, no, it's uh, I, I just I sometimes I feel like I don't have the words to express how I feel. So, you know, ask whatever you want. I'll do my best. But um, I, I do feel like I don't have the words to express. And sometimes. that itself is something that K-dramas do, right? They, they express it all without you having to put it into words. Yeah. And I think another thing about Korean dramas is the journey. You know, mm. you from beginning to end, you experience so many ups and downs and, um, you know, transitions and like you have someone who starts off so like such a horrible person and they end up you know the writers are able to redeem them in a way that you can really accept it and embrace it it's so like amazing to be able to do that uh you know and even when you're like they better not redeem this one you know (laughs) and they do and you're good with it Yeah, it's definitely yeah. about that experience. Mm. Yeah, we were actually talking about that recently, Sai and I, uh, because I, I think it was the older brother in the record of youth. And I, I don't want this character redeemed at all, but we can already see that his motivations are getting fleshed out. You're seeing more facets of him than just the obnoxious older brother. 
and uh, yeah you can already see how the path to redemption has been set Started. so yeah <laughs> yeah for me it was scandal the father in scandal you know and they somewhat redeemed him by the end and it's a shame he didn't redeem himself in real life <laughs> yeah that was uh, very unfortunate yeah. to find that out i don't it's it's really sad because he's done some of the really amazing dramas and i don't think ever i can ever watch them again which actor is this Jo Jae Hyun. Oh, okay. All right. I think now I, was I about, get the yeah, context. A quarter of the way through the drama when, and I was, it was like, I paused it for no reason at all. But by the time I was ready to get back to it, that whole scandal blew up. I was like, okay, I don't think I watched yeah. this. Yeah. But I think it's amazing to be able to watch You're Beautiful for the first time. I would love to do that again. It really was. It really was. <laughs> you know, I have been listening to the soundtrack for probably about... 10 years mm. and uh, you know it was one of those very beautiful songs but then when it gets uh, you actually see it in the context of the drama that it was made for it just takes it to you know a whole uh, other level yeah. and that soundtrack is uh, I think what really everything is great about this drama everything but the soundtrack I think is really what cements its emotions yeah I think. it's yeah it's right on cue whenever you know you have those close-up shots and their uh, express facial expressions are perfect and then the music is right on cue and then mm. it just goes deep that's, that's really true Andy I was uh, recently I was watching clips from Coffee Prince because they had a reunion so before that I wanted to go back and watch some stuff and I was thinking how your beautiful and coffee prince both of them did music so well mm -hmm. the background score was never obnoxious which is mm. uh, a bit odd because throughout the 2000s you had a lot of dramas with really obnoxious background scores um some real like epic ones too but almost paradise right exactly oh my god um but they had they were just fine-tuning the idea of sound design Mm -hmm. So music would suddenly start blaring to make sure that your emotions are on cue when music was not necessary. But mm -hmm. with Coffee Prince and which is uh, and this one and you're beautiful, I think with three years apart, um, both of them did sound design really well. So the music was chosen really well. Mm -hmm. It suited the characters, suited the moments and they were played at the right mm -hmm. moments. So Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, it was really integrated into the story in a way that it wasn't just a beautiful song. The lyrics meant something to the characters when they were singing them, and they were they were important to the development of the relationship. And you know, like it was just so well done because there was so much that uh, Go Minam she she couldn't say, but through the song, you know, it was conveyed so powerfully. So yeah. that was very very well done. True. So this is a good segue into. I mean, we kind of talked about the music early, but I think it's a good segue into talking about like when we watched this. Because, I mean, you just watched this. When did you watch it? Just a couple of weeks ago. I watched it when it was first airing. So that was 2009. And you guys watched it at the same time, right? Barma, 2012, yeah. Wasn't this airing simultaneously with uh, Boys Over Flowers? Yeah, these two, I remember very clearly that You're Beautiful and Boys Over Flowers were like currently airing around the time that I started watching dramas. Now, fandom must have been insane. <laughs> It was quite an experience to be following the recaps. And, you know, like, I remember people making GIFs of, like, moments from the drama. And I'd never seen that before because, like, now everybody makes GIFs all the time. Or GIFs. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I started saying yeah, it this way. Don't judge me. <laughs> yeah. And, the, and, like, now people constantly make them of dramas. And there's so many. 
um, and it's kind of formed its own like K drama GIF language. But at that time, I didn't really see a lot of them. But people were like making them of you know like the scene where he makes the the bunny rabbit pig rabbit pejitoki yeah um yeah and like the like the facial expressions that he makes he's doing surgery it was really uh fun to just watch people being excited in the moment as they watched every episode like live that was that was really fun talking back to what you were saying about music auntie i just remember the one of the first uh songs that were actually uh sung diegetically in the drama was when uh, they had that after party um after all the all four flowers were like all boy band you know boys were introduced to the press and then gominam was asked to sing and she goes up and sings rudolph the red nosed reindeer and the way she sings it i was sold on the drama because of that just the way the way that scene was set up it was it was so lovely the the way i mean it was just a simple song and that said so much about her character and the way the characters around her were reacting like the boys came up to support her even um hwang tae kyung came up to support her because he does not stand for bullying unless he's the one who's bullying <laughs> <laughs> yep that was very beautiful that loyalty and that protective you know um cuz they are guys after all and she's a girl so that instinct to you know protect her uh was very beautiful yeah i agree and not knowing that so you know i i think that even merits more points <laughs> so on that note i actually wanted to ask you guys i guess it's maybe a weird question to ask does it hold up since the three of us didn't actually rewatch the whole thing i think i watched some clips and i rewatched it in january <laughs> you did oh you did wow okay no oh. wonder you remember like every <laughs> all these like details does it hold up I in do. 2020 it What absolutely do does aside from the certain aspects of the gender bender trope itself as a drama with the kind of message it was trying to portray it absolutely holds up and this is one of the least problematic drama from 2000s that i can bring up yeah i was watching clips because i wanted i like there are certain iconic scenes that i remember but i also haven't watched it in 10 years so um i think i rewatched a few episodes in like 2012 but that's also a long time ago now but it's so I remembered it being so over the top and I was like, "Oh, like would it be really over the top if I watch it now? Would it be too much?" And I watched a few scenes and I was like, "Nope, this is actually still great. Like it's so it really works because it has that like heightened idol band feeling where like everything around their job is so over the top because they're K-pop stars, you know, like that <laughs> like that whole world is just very like the fans are so intense and the uh you know the scandals are intense and the media attention is intense like everything about it is so intense. So the fact that everything is so over the top, it really works. Um and the and the genuineness of the way that the actors play the emotions, it grounds the feeling of silliness. So it like still feels authentic even, you know, 10, 11 years later. Absolutely. And I don't know if the writer was particularly woke <laughs> or white, but there were very few problematic elements when it came to the male female um relationship in pursuit of romance. Because back in 2000s, I watched a lot of dramas from that era and there tended to be um male heroes especially leads and second leads who were very aggressive or hostile or just plain mean but mm. mean without any reason like with Hwang Tae-kyung being mean he just wanted to protect his 
privacy. He wanted space. He didn't easily trust or mingle with anyone. He didn't do it because he wanted to be unkind. One of the things I love about Hong Tae-kyung is how consistent he is. He is consistently standoffish with everyone. It's not yeah. like he is, you know, kind to some people and hostile to other people. He doesn't have that kind of, you know, manipulativeness in him. So I was really taken aback by this particular character that was created and also Gominam's character because she starts off like a shy little rabbit and evolves into like this really steely spined female protagonist who's honestly the way things developed towards the latter half I was really surprised I was not expecting it to go in that direction so all of those things were really different from what you we had been given otherwise in that era and I can even compare it favorably to Coffee Prince. It often annoyed me. Like, I know you guys really like <laughs> Gong Yu's character there. I didn't. I found him to be a brat and unnecessarily high-handed <laughs> without any real reason. So is this the time to admit that I, I don't love Coffee Prince the way everyone else does? I enjoyed yeah. it, but yeah. <laughs> it's okay. We can talk about this another time. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, ju I'll judge you. It's interesting, Paroma, that you talk about these two characters, Taekyung and Gominam, that they are from such totally different, almost opposite worlds. So the unlikelihood of such different personalities uh, with such different per uh, you know, backgrounds coming together and they made it work so beautifully and so deeply and so uh, authentically uh, really, it's the writing that, uh, you know, and, and they're female writers of this drama, right? So yeah. they do a very uh, good job of making that journey so authentic and so, you know, multi-dimensional that the, you know, impossible becomes possible. It yeah. is a pretty pretty fantastical pre I mean it's a completely fantastical premise <laughs> a trainee nun becomes a k-pop star like yeah. when is that gonna happen and then you throw in the you know the gender bending part and it's just it's such a great setup and I think when you start with with a setup like that there's so many places that you can take it but it goes really deep like like you say auntie it goes really deep into its emotions and the way that like she brings something into his world that he just doesn't have and he's perhaps never experienced but it's also exactly what he needs and she experiences almost the same thing from the other direction like could she ever have imagined being in this world yet being in that world she gained you know the relationships that she had brothers um even though she had that one AWOL brother <laughs> that she never saw <laughs> Laughing about his whole eye surgery, and you know how Manager Ma is like, you know, now he's like this. <laughs> no, you did. You saw him for a second. Right. Oh, it's so but, good. Sayat, that 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 the that concept was so clever. Just think about it. We were so used to candies with their nine or a dozen part-time jobs who are scraping just about and have to support, like, I don't know, entire families with their uh, income. You had candies like those and then you had Gominam who was, who was not a candy on, who was not a candy at all yeah. she had a path she had her entire life mapped out she knew exactly what she was going to do she didn't have the burden of a family or anything to support she was a very different character to begin with one of the things so on the one hand 
the obviousness of the setup is basically that, hey, you have a nun in a K-pop industry, shenanigans. So yeah, that's of course hilarious, but also you have a woman with very firm convictions. That's one of the things that really made Gominam have a backbone because her convictions were precious to her. Her principles were precious to her. And, and you had this character. Exactly, mm. they were bigger than her. So you had this woman with firm convictions placed in a world where convictions were really flexible. Yeah. <laughs> you, you had to flow well. dispensable yeah. almost. Yeah. So she had to cope with that. So I, I, I really thought that was very clever. Like beyond the you know obvious um, hilarity of the situation, it was just clever to put someone like her in this kind of industry. I feel like yeah. that's the thing that really goes underappreciated in this drama. Which um, and having watched so many since then, the the way that dramas treat uh, like practice of religion, I think. It's uh, comedy fodder, it's often irreverent, but there's very little actually reverent treatment of people who have reverence towards, like, about their beliefs. And I just, I mean, this one scene, which is still, like, the line still sticks with me, like, what, eight years later. I think um, it was, of course, it was a, uh, a scene with uh, Yuhi, and she was saying something rude to Gominam about, about her calling. And... Kuminam is quite a timid, like she's, her personality is quite timid, but there are parts, that there are things she doesn't ever let anyone get away with. And dissing God is one of them, right? So mm-hmm. she had, she was like, you know, don't, she, like she turned around, like fire in her eyes. And she was like, don't speak of it like that. Don't speak lightly of this higher calling. You can say what you want about everything else, but you don't get to diss this. And I, I found that a really different take to, to any that I'd experienced before. Quite yeah, and she would, uh, that's what, uh, what she would do when she had nowhere else to turn. She would pray or she would call on Mother Superior and, you know, and that whole like, you know, otherworldly things started happening. And yeah, that was very smart as well, how they were able to sew that in throughout the story that way. Mm-hmm. In a way that was still very funny without mocking her faith or mocking mm-hmm. the fact that she was very faithful, you know? Yeah. And that's a pretty fine line to sort of balance, mm-hmm. but they did it really well. Mm-hmm. I just suddenly remembered the, the locker room scene. The dressing room <laughs> I was scene. thinking of that too. The <laughs> mother superior pops up in the locker room. And protects her modesty. Yeah. <laughs> You know what I love about, uh, I have a hard time with the names. I'm sorry. Keitan? Keitan is fine. So he, um, he actually bullies her, you know, he, uh, and he's so disgusted by her because he's such a clean freak. And I can totally relate to that. <laughs> oh, that's why like, you love him so much. Oh, now I get it. Okay. Yes. yes. Now, now and, it all makes but sense. But you don't blame him for it because he can't help it. You know, that's just the way he is. And uh, I think that was really endearing for me to see that. And, um, and she's so clumsy and klutzy and he's so impatient with her. And, you know, it's like a, it, it, that's, that's how the whole dynamic starts, you know, like it's a big brother with a, you know, a goofy younger sibling who's always getting on their nerves and bugging them and doing everything wrong. And who vomited in his mouth. (laughs) Oh, Oh God. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That really worked for me. (laughs) (laughs) Adrian was going to go there. (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah. Hung sisters really go there. Yeah, that's true. The other thing that I really um, enjoyed about Gominam is how she ended up like with her career. Her character, given how she fumbles as a um, you know a trainee nun in the church, is often compared with like you know um, Sound of Music's uh, what was the name? Judy Andrews. Um, uh, Maria. Maria. <laughs> how could I forget Maria? <laughs> um, so. She's often compared with that, but I, I like how, I mean, Maria's calling was basically like, hey, she found her romantic partner. Uh, she, she found the person that she was supposed to, you know, take care of the children and all of that. That was her calling. So the church was not her calling. She could still be a woman of faith, but not the church. And with Gominam, you had a situation where she had found how they could, the conflict for her wasn't church versus him. The conflict was what career is right for her. So it wasn't that she left the church because she wanted to be with him. To the contrary, she left the church because she realized that she just wanted to go to Africa and and volunteer there. It's just she wanted to do something other than, you know, be a nun. That was not her calling. That's not where her entire heart was. And I like that it was a decision and a path that was independent of Fong Thay Kim. Yeah, unlike some other dramas that we watched recently where like suddenly (laughs) deciding that you don't want to be a priest means like you could throw away all of your rosaries and your Bibles and everything and apparently like that's it. Which drama was that? Oh, hospital (laughs) playlist. (laughs) Oh. (laughs) That empty drawer where he's like, I decided not to be a priest and like all of his like religious paraphernalia is just gone. I'm like, what, dude? Like, it's not all or nothing. I knew which uh, (laughs) drama it was because I remember Anissa complaining at the moment. Like, what (laughs) is this? What just happened? Why? How? (laughs) Yeah, we were watching it together. That's true. Is there anything else that you'd like to add about the central relationships, whether that's the leads or like the band dynamics? I guess um, about the, uh, what's his name? The second... uh... Uh, Shinu? Okay. Yeah. So uh, I guess with Shinu, some people like hated him and some people like were irritated by him. But I actually like really empathized with him. You know, like I my heart was torn because see, tears me up. The craziness of this drama, you know, I was so emotional after I watched it. I would like at least I can attest to that. But, you know, the way he just stood by her. Oh, Oh, and and protected her and he you know he was always there and he knew what was going on but you know he he still kept on and then he had his heart broken so many times yeah can i be mean and offer a a, a criticism of his behavior i'm sorry maybe uh... why Saya? why <laughs> so then auntie will feel better Okay. Thank you. <laughs> so, well, you see, I spent fully half of the drama on his, like, firmly on his side. But then eventually you sort of realise that he the, the he did things and they were genuinely helpful and useful. But also he was always, there was a part of him that always held back. Like, he would protect his own image, his own ego, his own sense of, his own sense of dignity. Like, um, j- just before we started, we um started this i thought i'd swat uh, swat up and watch uh i watched a bit of i think episode 13 and that's just after his failed proposal or at least he was going to do this big confession and you know he doesn't get to do it and that's just it i feel like that that 
encapsulates everything that he does wrong because there was a point where he had a chance but he treated it a bit like a game he was like entertained by it and you know the story of them is more attractive to him than the reality of what was actually happening and by the time he realized he did want it to be real it was too late whereas with Taekyung he never held back he, it took him a long time to identify his emotions and most of his emotions ended up expressing in anger but in general as soon as he knew what he was feeling he went like he went all in whereas the point that Shinu went all in was when he already knew it was too late and that's yeah. why I'm not married <laughs> <laughs> I agree with Sayanti the thing that um, turned me off Shinu even though initially I quite liked his character was that he never leveled with Gominam whereas Hwang Tae-kyung as soon as he found out her uh, secret and every step after that he leveled with her he knew exactly what was happening and he was straightforward about how he treated the situation Shinu whenever he helped her he did it behind the scenes almost as if he didn't want to commit to her knowing that he knew because that would raise the stakes that mm. would mean that he has to actually commit to this maybe do something about it and he didn't seem to want that he just wanted to stand back and watch the entire game play out in front of him and then see where the you know the the what do you call it the chips the pieces the fall chips, chips fall, fall yeah. exactly <laughs> yeah i can see that i can see that but i i i guess because um he helped her so much and protected her so much um and then he realized he didn't have a chance but he still wanted to try keep trying and he just kept on getting hurt over and over again i guess that kind of sticks with me but i can totally see um yeah he um he's a truly decent guy yeah he really is yeah like he was a little misguided but he mm. wasn't ever malicious or you know but i so i'm not talking a lot because I don't remember as much because I haven't watched, like, I've only watched it one and a half times and not very recently. But I do remember feeling put off by, like, in the beginning he was really sweet, but there was a point where I started to feel like he was being presumptuous about her feelings in a way that made me a little uncomfortable. And then I was just like, dude, just take a hint. It's so obvious. Just take a hint. Yeah. Like, why are you, like, torturing yourself? Because he's a second lead. <laughs> but, I, but I think at some point, uh, like, maybe he felt that Taekyung was hurting her too much. And so he was just going to stand up for her. But that, yeah, I didn't like that, you know, after he knew everything and that she was, like, totally just into Taekyung, that he should have, you know, kind of backed off at that time. And he didn't. Yeah, because there's an element of that, like, oh, you don't know what, what's best for you, but I know what's best for you. I'm going to protect you. Hmm. It wasn't that bad compared to some other dramas that I've watched, but I do remember being like, uh, this isn't great. I'm, I'm kind of, I'm not rooting for you. <laughs> <laughs> Auntie, you are in good company. A lot of people really like Shinu, which is kind of why Shinu and um, uh, well, Gominam, the, the Park, Park Shinu, the, uh, they went on to do Heartstrings, which I watched. <laughs> of course I did. I watched it too. <laughs> Yeah. Same. <laughs> and Anisa get Auntie to watch it. She'll love it because yeah, he's like a far more proactive character. Than <laughs> okay. All right. <laughs> and there's this one. Thanks really for the recommendation. <laughs> there is. True. That's also around music. So, so as not to sort of be, uh, would you call it, super negative. I completely, I was exact where you are, Auntie, right now. 
after I'd watched it, I was in exactly that same place. So it took like months of thinking about it. And I, I'm i sure I emailed Borma about it for like, what, seven months after that? So, <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> so I had a lot of time to think about it. And there was another friend who was watching it at the time as well. Um, and it took me months of discussion and thinking and digesting to, to try and understand because this is um, again it's like your first drama for me it was my first drama my first exposure to a second lead who functions in this way because you know that's an actual trope that I hadn't come across in other um, media before mm. so there's all of that but for me I was trying to make sense why didn't Shino get the girl when mm. he was like apparently he was the better guy trying to make sense of that i just i just analyzed the thing to death like you know why did taekyung win and i'm saying win in air quotes why did yeah. why did his emotions win out and why did um Gominam choose him why did she fall in love with him when she could have fallen in love with shino who is like you could argue much nicer and um easy you know, why would you choose to be with a difficult guy when you can be with a really easy one who loves you? So it took me a long time to get there. And fresh off a week, I was exactly where you were. <laughs> oh, interesting. That's very interesting. Because even from watching a few clips, like, uh, you know, since I've watched the drama, I'm getting some uh, things that Taekyung said that I didn't get the first time around. So I can totally see that. Can I answer the question? Why she oh, chose? Go <laughs> <laughs> yeah, go on. <laughs> two, two main reasons. The first was that Taekyung is the more honest, straightforward guy. And with her character, Gominam's character, she will always go for the more honest and straightforward person, even if straightforwardness means utter rudeness. <laughs> and the second reason that she would choose um, him, of course, would be that she, as far as she knew, he was the one who knew her secret and was protecting her. And she went through the entire trauma and struggle of her disguise and, you know, initiation into this entire industry with Taekyung beside her. She would totally miss the boat by not being beside her when she was going through the worst of her struggles. Yeah. So I think those are the num you know, the two main reasons that she would always mm. choose take you <laughs> over Chino. Plus he's so charismatic, you know, so sometimes you can't control where your heart goes. He's also yeah. a charismatic dork. So, yeah, like, really <laughs> like I was watching some clips and I and I re, and I like had forgotten about his whole like gominam like that thing that he does. Oh, I love that. Yeah, it's, it's like so it's good. telling her off every time, you know. Yeah, Auntie, do you remember that moment when they were, you know, they were lost and they were walking for miles, and finally he followed her back, and then that smile he gives her, Auntie, I I almost cried when he smiled. Yeah, I like those moments of like uh, authenticity of feeling cut deep uh, so many times over and over in this drama that I have never really you know experienced before and I think that's why like it has that lasting emotional impact because there were so many of those deep cutting emotional moments yeah 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 she was a wreck after she watched it <laughs> <laughs> I completely understand yeah uh, the, yeah. the other like what's so like um, attractive about Taekyung is that he's so like 
obviously blatantly, blaringly, blindingly imperfect. And versus Shinu, who always has this like perfectly manicured image of himself. And, you know, he's just perfect all the time. Yeah. And that doesn't give you any room to sort of latch onto somebody. Whereas between Gominam and Taekyung, there was so much room for them to sort of make little inroads in each other's souls. And it was... I think imperfection is really important in especially in romantic leads that they know that where those imperfections are and yeah you know see them from the uh you know trip back that you just mentioned when she has that big bag and she pulls out all these things uh for him one it shows <laughs> like how much attention she's been paying to him that she found him because of all the clues that led her to make the right uh take the right you know direction and then that bag you know she's pulling out all kinds of things for him that you know he's gonna need on his trip back so you know all of that conflict and that interaction and you know that so you can see there's so much attention that's been uh you know paid there towards each other and well no more for uh you know Rominam but then you know he starts appreciating that as well from that uh, moment and he really needed all of those things yeah he used he's, he's all a high things. high maintenance loving <laughs> <laughs> do you remember the fan club quiz though oh yes <laughs> oh my god oh yeah, yeah. Oh, i don't remember this yeah, <laughs> he keeps, like, like sh- go on auntie no go ahead it was yeah quite something so this is where she um i think I actually don't remember if she's confessed to him before this because I just jumped in on episode 13. And she's like, She had. Oh, and he, oh right. And and he says, I give you permission to be my fan. And mm. she's like, okay. Oh, but like totally taking that face value. And she's like, yay, thanks for giving me permission to be your fan. And then she like literally goes and signs up to his fan club. And he's like, what? <laughs> and, then, and then he gets that, you know, that look, that... um the crafty look where he's like, I'm going to test her knowledge. And he keep and he asks, he's like, you have to pass this test to join the uh, fan club. And he asks her stuff like, how cool do you think uh, Hong Taekyung is? And she's like, four. <laughs> and he keeps getting these low scores and each one like dents his ego so badly. And he's like so crushed. And this, again, this is what's great about him. He has this obvious like balloon-like ego, which is so fragile, but also... <laughs> yes. yes. <laughs> But also it's really endearing. Like he doesn't have a toxic ego. And I think that's such an such an interesting distinction that they were able to make with his character. Like back in 2009 when every other lead was, you know, horrible. Um, that he, he didn't have those toxic traits that would have been expected of a male lead. But he did have the ego and it was like so entertaining. And then yeah. and then his final question was, you know, how much do you like Huang Tikyung? And after a series of like twos and three and five and four, and she wrote a hundred to that. And he was like, <laughs> he was so happy. He was Yay! like, he picked up Pig Rabbit and he was like giving it a little pat on his buttons. They're so cute. It's the only answer that matters in the end. Yeah. Yeah, I was thinking about um, why this works so well, even though on the surface it's like this really, you know, kind of like we're like we're saying, kind of bullies her, and he's like he's like really gruff and kind of mean to her in the beginning, and she has this dynamic of like kind of putting him on this pedestal and like admiring him for a long time, and and I'm not worthy, timid. (laughs) Yeah, and I was like, normally I would hate this, but like, why did it work so well? And I think that combination of like chill no chill that he has where like he, he acts like he has so much chill but he's actually a zero chill and it's like like you said like it, it like it gets pricked so easily and like so 
then like that cool outer shell, like in a second, she's just like devastated, and it's so obvious on his face. And I think Jung Eun Suk really sells it with his expressions. Mm-hmm. Like his facial expressions are always, you know, how he has like that really deep voice, um, and it's very like emotionally expressive. And then he has really funny facial expressions and like he really leans into the comedy but then he also leans into like when he's crying he's like crying his eyes out you know like that Mm. because you always know how he's feeling and and then like you have these moments where he's like being really mean to her but like the second that he feels like she actually got hurt or like something is actually wrong with he's like oh my god are you okay are you okay like (laughs) and then she's like yeah okay so you can see that he's not malicious he's just Mm. kind of like a grumpy porcupine And that's what makes all the difference, isn't it? If there's no malice in it. Because once they're malicious, that's when you're like, I can't root. And that, and actually, I feel there's some genuineness in that. Like first, Anissa, what you said about his voice, absolutely his voice, the richness of uh, his voice is such a gift like that he has. Uh, He just speaks and you, you like hear this rich, uh, beautiful voice every time. And then, um, you know, I was reading about his uh, past. You know, he was a star at five. Like, he came into showbiz at the age of five. And then he, uh, they were doing an interview and he was going to university. And he was talking about how, you know, Mondays and Tuesdays were his days. But even on those days, he was still, he, he said, I told them not to bother me. And these are my days. But they would still, uh, you know, like interrupt that so you get that sense of this person who grew up in uh, showbiz and he kind of didn't have the carefree uh, childhood at all and you know there were people shouting at him and putting demands on him and taking from him like his whole like childhood and uh, during his youth so I think all of that like makes him that kind of character that can put bring that duality of you know having a huge ego but having also a very fragile ego and that's why he that that's what I was thinking that maybe that's why he was able to play that role so well you know it's interesting what you say about the authenticity and about him being a child star because they were both I didn't realize this when I first watched it but they were both child actors Pakshane also was a child actor like that's how she became famous Mm -hmm. so I guess they both have that real life experience of like what it's like to be really young in this kind of industry and yeah, I'm sure they probably drew on that. Just the feeling of how it just invades your life. Can't You can never and escape from it. This role for Jung Eun-suk was also the first time that he'd been like the young, the, the oldest in, in the main cast. He So I remember watching interviews after I first watched the show as well, where he talked about how it was such a different dynamic to finally be the oldest in, in the group. Um, whereas before he would have been, you know, one of the juniors. So it was uh, like um, it was a first for him too in in that in in his drum. Like Anissa used to tell me about this phenomena where you know agents would pick up these kids and then you know if Street they're good casting. singers or actors or you know they would just take them on and train them and you know take over their lives and uh, but for him it, he wasn't just a good act, he wasn't just into acting he had this amazing voice. And, uh, you know, so he was the whole package. So I can't even imagine what his, uh, you know, life must have been like to have that kind of talent and And to be taken over by all these adults. And then he had a tax scandal um, at some point Hmm. a while back. 
and oh, after yeah. that he was kind of vilified by um by uh, Kn. but he was very popular in japan yeah he spent a um, lot of time just yeah. and then he for a long time he was just doing music and not really mm. acting and then he yeah. had i think he got his bipolar diagnosis as well which you know it was clear that he was having a hard time with the industry for quite a while um and when it came time for military service, uh, he got he got an exemption, right? Or was it desk duty? I don't remember. Right I now. don't remember. He I only remember. He went into the, uh, is it the fire? Uh, it, yeah, he didn't go into the military. Mm. Military he had. It uh, wasn't active service. It, it was, was like a, fire rescue? Yeah, oh, something like that. And he was mm, more of an yeah. office job. Well, I mean, you did, you did all your research. Before <laughs> I you mean, that's the kind of impact this character had, you know, it's like true. it was so powerful that mm. uh, you wanted to know, like, who is this person? Yeah. Oh, I saw in my mom's laptop the other day. She was watching Mary stayed out all night. I was like, don't watch this. It's really bad. <laughs> oh, my God. Also, don't watch Pretty Man. I have to say that because of that character, because of Hwang Tae-kyung, I was like, I will watch him in any drama he ever does. And I tried. Um, Pretty Man, Bellamy, was trash. Oh my god. I watched the whole thing just for him, and I regret it. It was so bad. So give me recommendations so I can stay away from the bad. (laughs) They're all bad. All of them bad. They're all bad. But see, that just goes to show um, the power of production, right? Mm -hmm. That it's not the person it's the writing first and foremost it's the music it's the editing it's the costume it's the set uh, setting you know it's the whole package i did mm, watch yeah. um Gildung, oh. which was I, th- I think that was also another uh, hong sisters drama which was the year before uh you're beautiful i think or two years um and he he was really good in that but that drama also has Kang Ji-won and I wouldn't watch him now because, you know, rapist. He's a rapist. He's, yeah. You know, he's yeah. not a... I'm, so, I, I, I'm sorry. <laughs> act or not. I, I love how no. principled you guys are. Like, no matter you know, how talented not, somebody it's... is, like, they go down the wrong path and they're, like, cut. <laughs> it's not even that you're principled. It's that when you see their faces, you think of it and you're like... You yeah. disgust me, and I can't watch you. So I don't think it's anything wow, as high-minded as being principled. Are like, yeah. It's being judgy for good reason. <laughs> yeah, but also <laughs> that you can watch uh, an actor whom you don't know or whom you have a very positive image of be a blank canvas where you know new characters are downloaded and played out. I guess. <laughs> but yeah. if you have a negative uh, impression of that person then every character that they play kind of gets tainted by that. Yeah. Especially when it's like the romantic hero, like a, the male lead in like a romance drama mm. where you're supposed to be rooting for him to get the girl. So yeah. fiction mm. is not, can never be uh, totally, you know, separate from reality then. We don't. I know. I think it depends do. on the person. Yeah. But <laughs> I mean, us... also, it also depends on the... On the art, uh, it, it, there are so many lines here. Like it's, it, there are so many layers. There are projects that I know have bad associations that I still partake of. Um, there is a series uh, of books that I love that I have recently started. Like there's no controversy around it, nothing. But I have recently started noticing after rereading the series over and over again that they use certain terms when talking about certain groups. 
and this has started to bother me but i am not at the point where i dropped them yet it hasn't reached peak bother <laughs> it hasn't reached peak bother i i enjoy almost everything else about the series so that one thing it's it's ruining my perfect happiness when i pick up these books but it's not at the point where i drop it yet so i think there you are know, layers yeah there are but also it's about exposure too you know like yeah. uh growing up in uh england and in canada obviously all that i was ever exposed to was you know western uh uh television and western movies and western music and uh then you know with Anissa going into uh diaspora and transnational studies and also my own experience with not outward racism but uh you know having that experience through Anissa of putting terms to uh you know what i was experiencing go- growing up like microaggressions and you know like you uh, being a sensitive kind of person you pick up on these uh, cues your whole life and so then you know when you get that kind of knowledge and that kind of awareness of you know how the world was colonized by the british and you know other european powers and how that whole dynamic played out in the world and that here i was you know growing up as a visible minority in the west and um not knowing that uh you know what kind of impact that was having on on me and then you know being married to somebody from uh Pakistan and going to Pakistan every year and seeing the effects of uh colonization on you know uh people from my you know uh background and so all of these like little pieces just keep coming together and uh you know so you um something start making sense and your world view start changing and you see the role that you know uh fiction and writing and media and movies and dramas you know play and then you realize how powerful um this can be and how it can be used for uh you know in a negative uh very horrible way but it can also be a a positive thing mm. yeah that's very well said <laughs> my mom was really like i don't that. have words i'm not going to be able to say anything smart i was like okay <laughs> you'll see i have some experiences mashallah <laughs> cuz that's your experience but you can't know what it is compared to you know everything else until you experience other people and other mm. yeah. and then, and like over time what you're willing to put up with changes mm. because you mature yeah. as a person um and then you learn and you change and you there are certain things that you're willing to still you know like all our faves are problematic but mm, yeah. on the other hand you reach a certain point with certain dynamics that you face continuously in your real life and you're just like oh I actually really don't want to see this on TV anymore and I don't yeah. have to. And I have a, I have another option. I don't exactly. have to watch this. It's it's the whole finally having choices that makes you able to leave the most problematic stuff because before you cling to them because it's all you have, right? Mm-hmm. Um as someone and I, that's probably this is probably true for all of us, people who love stories, if you only get offered them in one flavor, well you have no choice but to take them in the flavor that you're given but when you then discover 50 other flavors that are much more to your taste why would you have that one flavor yeah. that you hate no and also we've been sold this incorrect uh idea that you know only uh white uh characters are beautiful and uh will be watched and are worthy and so 
it's very it was so exciting for us to see how, what a huge success crazy rich americans and black panther crazy rich asians sorry <laughs> <laughs> i almost didn't notice that <laughs> some of them were crazy rich americans i guess <laughs> yeah crazy crazy rich asians uh were see that's how western i am i don't even <laughs> Yeah. And you have to work on yourself because you internalize those, uh, you know, attitudes uh, yourself as well. Yeah. That auntie wisdom came to you courtesy of the wonderful mother of Anissa. Thank you. Yes. (laughs) You know, the uh, like we're very uh, lucky in the sense that like even though on one side you have this uh, experience that I spoke about, but being uh, Muslim, you know, in Toronto, especially, we were a very diverse uh, community. You know, my friends growing up were um, like in not in school, obviously, but, you know, they were like South, South African, Egyptian, Indonesian, you know, um, other like South Asians. So, you know, I was lucky that I did have that uh, exposure growing up. But a lot of people don't don't have that. Um, and then I had a teacher, Dr. Jamal, like you don't have to include this in the, uh, so I just want to share this with you because, uh, you know, it was so, it, it left such an impression at a young age uh, on me. Um, this teacher, he was a professor uh, in Nova Scotia of Egyptian descent. And he said uh, that there's a, a verse in the Quran that says that, you know, if God wanted to make uh, everybody the same, it wouldn't have been difficult for him to do. But, you know, the fact that we have different colors and different languages and different cultures actually uh, beautifies the world, you know. So it's like having a bouquet with many different flowers in it. So that was also there in my mind as well to, you know, experience the world, you know, with that perspective. We are all flowers. Yes, every every (laughs) single person. And, you know, being in education, this was very important because, you know, I used to tell my teachers when I was a principal that, you know, it's your job to find what is special in each and every child, because every child, every uh, thing that God creates is special. I wish I had come across a teacher like you in my youth. <laughs> <laughs> Should we get has back to the watched, drama? Yeah. Has anyone watched <laughs> No, I, I mean, I, I love this it. life wisdom that we're just sharing, <laughs> um, that we're getting. What is this jackpot I've never heard so of before? <laughs> I, I actually watched most of Did you watch it, P? I watched almost all of it. Auntie, don't watch it, please. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so lucky, you know, I just have you guys. I don't have to waste any time at all. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's definitely a benefit. Other people telling you when a drum is trash. I know, really, helpful. like Anissa has uh, recommended uh, some gems and I've really enjoyed them. So For the first like five or six years, I wouldn't recommend anything that I hadn't watched like to the end. Mm. I didn't want to be like, this is really good. And then she'd watch the end and be like, the ending was yeah. so bad. And then I, would and it, I knew it must have been good because Anissa would watch them over again with me. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And that's what I do with my cousin. I watch something and I know that it's good. And then I sit her down and I watch the entire thing. <laughs> but can we talk about Jackpot for a second? Oh my God, let's. I, I so, watched it because I'd missed his face for so long. Mm. I really liked Wong Tae Kyung. So when uh, Jung Kyung Sook... Finally, after doing like bit guest roles here and there, he came and did this. 
I was like, hey, the trailer is good. How bad can it be? I don't usually watch Sagyoks. I was so ready for him to be in a Sagyok again. <laughs> I think the guy has the worst luck. Honestly, I don't think he's a yeah. bad actor. Or the worst agency. I don't know. But just terrible. He was cast with good actors, by the way. But the mm. script, what was that? It was not good. But there is, it does have one redeeming um, thing, which is it has this really great OST song. That's the only good thing about that drama. It does. The music is good. Yeah. True. <laughs> which is the one by uh, uh, Pak Wangyu. Um, I think it's in our playlist. It uh, is in our play. It's in our yeah. Dramas Over Flowers YouTube playlist. <laughs> I think it's at number OSTs. one. Yeah. You can go to our why. YouTube channel and find that. Do you guys want to talk about the... We talked about the writing, but do you want to talk about the Hong sisters for a second? Because I feel like it would be remiss to kind of... Like, Ami, you haven't probably heard of them, but they were like a really big force in drama land for a long time. Like, they did a lot of really very good rom-coms that were very popular. And, you know, like, this, they did this one. They did... Um, what else? They, My Girl, The Greatest Love, oh, yeah. Delightful, Delightful Girl, Girl. Chun Young, mm-hmm. My Girlfriend is Gumiho, um... Couple of trouble, yeah, fantasy couple. Yeah, couple or trouble, which was my first one of theirs. I think I can't remember if I saw that after or before my girl, but they're very famous. Like they've not, they're not quite as big name now. I think because they did a bunch of not great dramas. Yeah. Um. But both, but all of those, I um, warm and cozy. That was theirs as well. Anissa, remember the greatest love, the anticipation, (laughs) and it was great. And then the hospital scene happened and it just crashed and burned after that. (laughs) Yeah, after episode 14, we just were so disappointed. Yeah. I I, I disagree. I loved it till the end. Oh, really? (laughs) Yeah, there were some good uh, parts at the end. Yeah, but something happened in the middle. It was, I think, like the the rising tension and then like whatever would have been that climactic scene they just decided to not have that climactic scene and then like there was a time jump and then you just went to like however many years later a year later or two and i was like i was literally waiting for this scene for the entire drama like literally you've been waiting for this crisis to happen and they just it happens off screen and, mm-hmm. and i was really yeah that's what i was, was really mad about that <laughs> yeah definitely yeah. i think my favorite other hung sisters dramas would be my girl and delightful girl Chun Yang. But there's this thing that the Hung sisters do, and perhaps not recently, but certainly in the early, let's say the first six dramas or so of theirs, um, in the rom-coms, they have these really, really awful second female leads. Mm. Like, they are the worst. And I have no cool when it comes to to evil women female lead type characters. I just, like, it's one of the things that, like, You're Beautiful, it was really hard. Because they're just so unrelentingly awful. They never get their comeuppance. And they're just horrible. Horrible, horrible, horrible. But I... I like that you. I yeah. I, I think uh, uh, in <laughs> in uh, you're beautiful. It was so well done because uh, Taekyung never let anything she did slide. You know he, right? he had that horrible. I love that about all the, Yeah, that, but she still did all, all the things and hit for hurt her. everybody. Yeah, but it gave yeah, more but... opportunities for Taekyung to like attack her and put her in her place and put her down. And... <laughs> yeah, I mean. This is, I think other people t- are able to tolerate that kind of character with much more cool than me, but I cannot. I just like, I need to go and die somewhere because that's oh. how much it hurts me. Mm. And I, it was the same in Delightful Girl Chunyang, um, where there was that, what is it, Cherin Nune, 
and she was oh, yeah. the worst. I hated her so much. I like I couldn't watch the drama because of how horrible I felt about that. But yeah, that's that's me being weak. But I can understand like, why they did it because uh, that added to the appreciation of this, you know, innocent. Uh, you know, little thing that Go Minam was that she put up with all of this, and she never told uh, Taekyung or anyone about it. She just quietly suffered through it. So then you, you know, your heart goes out to her even more. <laughs> I see why you like Go Minam so much because you're also a very like soft-hearted person, and you don't like to make a big deal about like when people hurt you. You just kind of don't say anything, and you just start like patient. So I wonder if maybe you were, that's why you got emotional. Maybe. There are a lot of emotions there, yeah. <laughs> I think one of the things that I loved about the Hong sisters early on is that they were really meta before meta was the cool thing that like everyone and their dog was doing. Like now I feel like meta is so popular that people feel like it's kind of almost played out. Although I will always enjoy meta. But um, you know what meta is, right, Ami? Meta is like... Uh, like self-referential humor so like you're kind of you're like for example you're doing a rom-com but you're kind of also in the rom-com you're making fun of the tropes of rom-com which is like for example when she falls on him and like the trope is the girl falls on the boy and then they kiss by accident it's like so cheesy <laughs> but instead she vomits in his mouth like that oh. <laughs> so you know like they take they take these like tropes and so like they take the thing that you're expecting and then they subvert it and they do something really funny or oh. unexpected yeah. and it kind of also in a smart way it shows you like what was kind of dumb about that trope or like maybe yeah. bad about that trope mm -hmm. to begin with yeah. and they do a really good job of that and I think this is kind of where it works the best out of all their dramas. In this drama, I feel like this is where it works most effectively. And it's the funniest, in my opinion. They also did... Did you... I mean, did you watch Couple or Trouble with me? I feel like you might have. I don't think so. It was so. the one... It's like a Korean drama remake of the movie Overboard. No, I don't think I did. Okay. I really enjoyed that one, too. But um, the male lead in that wasn't a very good actor. So that was... Who was but it was very movie? funny. Um, Han Yeol and Oh Ji Ho. But Han Yeol was so funny in that. She was great as the as the goldie hans character but also overboard is like one of those movies where like when i was growing up anytime it was on tv i would just watch it anyway this is a tangent that we don't need to but we did include, talk but... about uh the humor and uh the jeremy's character right no we haven't talked about jeremy yes let's talk about jeremy, jeremy. <laughs> jeremy. <laughs> i was looking up clips on youtube this morning and i saw that like uh, somebody had uploaded that bus scene where he confesses to her and i was oh. like remembering how much i oh, cried the first time i watched yeah. that he was such a sweetheart he it's was just... always a beat behind but his yeah. heart beat like a beat ahead <laughs> he was 10 beats behind he came in after everybody had finished confessing and like coupled up <laughs> He's such a puppy, though. He's just, like, Aww. a genuine puppy. Yeah, Yeah, but he's also, like, he's an also-ran. <laughs> he's a contender. He's, like, so last. But, man, that bus scene was, in, in all of the confessions, there were a, quite a few mm -hmm. confession scenes in that drama. His, that bus moment was the standout one. That's the mm -hmm. one that I remember with, like, genuine emotions. The, yep. He did it so well. I was so sweet and so, 
first Painful. lovey innocent <laughs> and yeah and then when uh they when he finds out that she's actually a girl he's so happy and he's he keeps saying it's a dream it's just a, you know <laughs> and he just, he just wanted to like hug her and fawn over her and they were holding him back <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> that scene popped into my head as you said it. <laughs> it's interesting because, like, I really love that they had his character because you already yeah. have the second lead who's, you know, like, he likes her and he's trying to, you know, he's doing the second lead thing where he's, like, trying to protect her from behind the scenes and she feels conflicted and she feels sorry towards him or whatever. But with Jeremy, like, there was no guilt. There was no, like, you didn't, like, you felt bad for him, but it didn't complicate the main love story it was just such a beautiful like he kind of had feelings on his own and then he just like got over them he didn't ask her for anything he didn't like make any uncomfortable demands of her he was just like a ray of sunshine yeah. um and then he yeah. just became like a really good friend to her and there was no like drama or conflict it was just he never made her uncomfortable yeah which is why i like him better than she knew yeah, but she knew, made agree. her uncomfortable afterwards, which was not ideal. He he kind of yeah. did that on purpose too, which bothered me. Yeah, you or Jeremy me was just a good you friend. Broke my heart. <laughs> yeah, that rubbed me the wrong way. Yeah, and talking about the writers, uh, this story is so multi-layered because I don't know if you got this from it, but you know the whole story of his mother and how much he hated her, and then you know the possibility that uh, she was with uh, Gominam father and you know they may be siblings and you know that tension that created it was so well done i totally forgot about that so did i i was like that was wow. the thing that i had completely forgotten. It, it was subliminal they had never mm-hmm. emphasized mm-hmm. it but it's yeah it, but it was there right it yeah. was there That's... everybody was like wait how do they know each other <laughs> what is this connection that's forming yeah there was like this very loud silence around that whole topic <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which itself was a really clever way of doing it, actually, mm-hmm. in yeah. the meta sense. And even that, like, they were able to, you know, take it to the end and then resolve it, you know? Mm-hmm. So very, very smartly done. I wanted to ask because I haven't rewatched the end in a long time. And I remember being happy with the ending when I watched it and then going on to watch a lot of dramas that had the time skip. And becoming increasingly annoyed by this arbitrary time skip that used to happen in order to sort of resolve whatever conflict there was so that the leads can come back together and have a happy ending. So I just want to ask all of you, like, how do you feel about that time skip? And like, do how is your feeling changed about it over time? Or like, do you still love it? Does it work? Like, why does it work? It was necessary. Before the time skip, there were too many complicated feelings, too many hurt feelings. But more importantly, they were too close to the issue. And their dynamic was skewed. Like Hong Tae Kyung and Gominam's dynamic had sort of like been sort of, you know, Dom Seng Kyung type of a dynamic that was uh, imbalanced. And then you had all of these hurt feelings on both sides. So no matter what Hong Tae Kyung did right then when she had just discovered that her mom had was no longer in the world, it's... She, it was devastating news to her. It was devastating for her to find out how her mom passed away, how her dad passed away. All of these things required time to process, which 
thankfully she gave herself which is what let her come back mm. months later so the time skip uh i agree totally with what parma said that it was needed um but i feel the way they ended it was a little bit abrupt and it didn't they could have done a better job with uh you know because they were like just kind of looking for her all of them and you know and they saw her and that's it it was it was over mm. they didn't really have a conversation or like a kind of they didn't really have anything after all. that reunion scene yeah mm-hmm. it would have been nice. yeah i think i remember also feeling like i wish they had actually had a quiet moment to reconnect well, I, I quite I quite like the rooftop scene where they're like looking at the stars and he gives her that um, star necklace. Um, so they had a conversation about her going off uh, to Africa or something. Isn't that didn't that happen at the very end? I thought that happened after the reunion. Maybe yeah, maybe it's my mistake. I'm forgetting that that was the actual no, last be- scene. No, because you remember after they reunited, uh, Gomina was like, "Well, you know, this is great and all, but I I have decided the mission in my life is to like oh go yeah <laughs> oh yeah." In general, I really hate time skips um, because I feel like. they are sort of artificial conflicts they add in a, an unnecessary element to solve a problem that isn't solved by distance or time whereas i feel like in this show it was it's like one of the few dramas where the time skip really was actually meaningful and necessary because the point that they reach at like the end of is it what, like 14 or 15 is that they they are both grieving and they both need the time and space to grieve so what that time away from each other allows them to do is figure out their feelings by themselves um and grieve about their parents or the for Hwang uh, Tae-kyung it was like coming to terms with the way that his mom had treated him his whole life and and that she was then trying to sort of return to his life in a in a real way to be there for him in a way that she'd never been before and that was that's a big thing to deal with emotionally and so both of them had these really big things that they had to work out and they couldn't have had a proper sort of a healthy relationship together while they were working those things out they needed to have resolved them somewhat before they could be together so mm. i think that worked and i can't disagree about wanting more at the end but i think that's always the case with any any drama that you love is that you always want a little bit more yeah i think i i was fine with the time skip for all the reasons that you said i think i wanted to just get to know gominyo like who she became a little bit more you know like i knew that she loved him and she would eventually come back to him that was never something that was in doubt and we knew him because we'd stayed kind of stayed with him as he was like looking for her and missing her and stuff but i i would have liked to get a little bit of like okay so what is her journey been like throughout this time that we haven't seen her and like who did she become and did she change at all or how has she developed outside of that cuz she went from the convent to the idol band and now she was finally out in the world on her own kind of making her own way so i would have just liked to get a little bit of uh, you know who she what she learned and who she became but it's a small it's like a minor minor quibble one more episode would have been great yeah <laughs> yeah but then when you consider that this was um running against boys over flowers which was enormous hmm i mean if the show had been popular enough there's an argument that they could have lo- like you know fans could have lobbied for an extension or the network's network could have been like oh you know let's milk it for one more episode And, and it probably wouldn't have even been that good. It would have damaged the balance of the story. Yeah. Yeah, and actually it uh it 
slowly became a phenomenon. It wasn't like an overnight or during the drama. Mm. Uh, it slowly, you know, like it had staying power, and you know, the popularity kept kept growing, and so that actually happened after. So they didn't have all of that to propel, you know, a, mm. a long ending. And you know what's so weird about watching this now, and also weird that it doesn't feel unnatural, is that obviously when I first watched this, I did not know a word of Korean, and now I'm like, I don't even need the subs for most of these episodes because it's not like you know, it's not high. A high classical Korean or anything. It's your basic everyday mm-hmm. language that is pretty easy. Like, you know, after you've been in it for this long, you can pretty much get most of it without even reading the subtitles. So to actually hear those jokes and those word plays and understand them myself when at the time I would have read the recaps and I would have, you know, I would have had to access them through a different source to now be able to just be like, huh, and laugh at it by myself. That's yeah. actually, there's, there's something surreal in that you sit there going, by yourself and you're like, hold on, this is amazing. And I remember at the time I was watching it, I was like, wouldn't it be great if there was some quick way for me to learn Korean so I could understand? <laughs> I mean, it turns out there was a way, but it wasn't quick. <laughs> Well, that's going to be Anissa's experience uh, when and if she watches it. Yeah. Yeah. Even I feel like I had that experience with um, Coffee Prince when I watched it. I think so. I I watched it in 2009 when I first that was my first drama. And then I rewatched it. It was, I think, before I finished undergrad. So I want to say like 2013 or 14. Um, I only rewatched it once. But I remember feeling like, oh, I understand a lot of these lines, like the way that they're meant to be said. And it was like leveling up or something, you know, like I was like, oh, I added another layer to my understanding. So that was really, it was like watching it for the first time again, actually. Like you got a tiny taste of, I maybe that's the only way. You know how we say sometimes like, I wish I could watch this again for the first time. I think like rewatching it after like 10 years and like, you know, five years of Korean study, maybe that's the only way. So there is a way. <laughs> um, but yeah, I it's think just that's... just not fast. <laughs> no, it's a very time intensive. Probably most people would not want to well, do it. Well, I have so. to yeah. say that, uh, you know, I've always... Like, I, I know a little bit, very, very, very little. Of, uh, I understand a little bit of the Korean. But this song, the main song of uh, You're Beautiful, what is it? Without Words, Anissa? It's yeah. ironic that, you know, this song called Without Words made me so want to know Korean because the words are so beautiful in that song. It's not just the sound of it. And you mm-hmm. heard this, the meaning, like you saw the meaning so many years after you first actually listened to the song. Yeah. Yes. Or yes. it's when you, yeah. when you listen to the song. Yeah. yeah. So you, in a way you had the same experience where like you didn't, you could only hear it yeah. and feel the feelings and then you actually could understand the meaning yeah. much, much later. Well, this uh, uh, drama is definitely very special because I would never in a hundred years have ever thought I would be joining you girls on this uh, podcast. But yeah, thanks to your beautiful, you did. I did. And uh, <laughs> yeah, it's been fun. Yeah, I was really, we were really excited yeah. when we, when I convinced you and you said yes. <laughs> And I was so nervous that, you know, like I, I'm going to have nothing to say and uh, you guys are so eloquent and, you know, I can't like live up to that. <laughs> but it I'm has, shocked that I really we didn't enjoyed think it. of inviting you before. <laughs> <laughs> no, I've really enjoyed it. So as we wrap up, um, are there any like memorable moments that you want to mention before, before we close that we didn't talk about yet? 
For me, I think it was the uh, re like thinking of uh, Taekang when he thinks back to the scene where they're sitting on the bench in the dark, and you know the lights come uh, like on them, and he turns his head and she's crying, and she he thinks he's she's talking about the stars, but she's actually talking about him. Oh, I need to get and rewatch it. <laughs> that's what the, that's what I feel like too. It's like I just want to go watch the whole thing again so I can choose yeah. my favorite moments again. Barma, what was yours? So it was that first time when um, it felt like the first time when Hang Tae Kyung uh, really smiled at her, that toothy big smile. They were lost after that entire shrimp allergy thing happened, and she had like deserted Shinu to run to his rescue. And then they were walking back, and they kept circling around that ice cream parlor because he couldn't find the way back. And then she finally led him. No, he finally figured out how to get back to the studio. And he was like, "See, I knew the way all along." And she was like, "You're so cool." And he turns around and smiles at her, and her heart starts beating. And my head kind of explodes because that smile is so <laughs> sweet and so completely different from how his expression has been throughout the first, I think, four or five episodes at that point. It's- I'm pretty sure he never smiled before that until that moment. No, but here's the thing. He had smiled before that, but there were smirks. Because yeah. <laughs> I went back and rewatched, right? And he had at different points smiled here and there. Sometimes, you know, tiny sweet smiles, but mostly smirks. This one was this full-on explosion of look at how great I am, and you know, I quite <laughs> like that you're following me around. <laughs> yeah, like he just completely drops his like cool, grumpy. I'm I'm too good for all of you peons persona. He just feels like a little boy. <laughs> I also oh, no. like this um this this moment really sticks in my mind even 10 years later it's like when he's like running through this field singing <laughs> along to that song <laughs> Breathless which is like the cheesiest song I've ever heard in my life and he's like so into it and then the pig starts chasing him. <laughs> no, the best... the old man yeah that's so the best good. thing like he has the he has his music on and the man is going like this and he's yeah. like, he's responding. He's like, yes, peace in the world. Hand waving. And this guy is going all panic. That is a pig. That is a pig. <laughs> that oh was God. a great scene. Oh, that was amazing. I think for me, it's not so much an individual scene as like the character arcs are really like, the best thing about the show is the character arcs and like all of the like the, the the character beats and they just yeah I can't pick a moment everything was like that whole show is still complete perfection for me apart yeah. from Yui <laughs> but like even now because I really like Yui as an actress now if I watch that now I wouldn't hate her as much and that's what uh, I find really interesting about like having a certain amount of meta knowledge and like like intertextuality and stuff you kind of when you come when you come to because with your beautiful I had no other like I had no previous reference to draw on everyone was new to me everything was new to me so I didn't have any um you know uh previous emotional attachments to anybody all I had was who they were in that show in that moment and so when you know when you can find a character a horrible character bearable sometimes by knowing that oh they're not like that in real life right and that's what I found, like, in my future K-drama career. I, you know, an actor that you like playing uh, the role of a really horrible person. Like, I remember when I was watching My Girlfriend as a Gumiho, and 
I really didn't like um, Isengi's character for so long. I really hated him because he was pretty horrible. Mm. But if I were to watch that now, knowing Isengi is Isengi, it would be different, right? Yeah, I think like, so. Perhaps that, I'd that's hate a him good less. example. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I really disliked him. He was really annoying in, in, mm. in Kumi because Yeah, he was just a selfish brat. But to be yeah. fair, that was his character. <laughs> yeah. And he does that He does that transformation from being horrible to being amazing oh, yeah. really well. Like, yeah. I think... Um, Brilliant Legacy, also known as Shiny Inheritance, is the best example of that. He's oh, just really, really good in that. You know, Sa, I don't actually hate Yui. I, I, I quite, I found her adorable. She was the you most would. You're like my sister. No, I. <laughs> my sister loves those second leads. No, I don't like. Second she was funny. She was funny because she was so ineffective. She was super ineffective and one of the main reasons she was ineffective is one that she was not taken very seriously by anyone who mattered and the other one was because she kept giving Huang Tikyong opportunities to show how amazing he is just by you know ignoring her or by countering her weird machinations by just yeah. straight up telling her to sit down girl that's it that's the end of the conversation he's never shaken yeah, yeah he never he never did that thing that a lot of you know, so-called, like, noble heroes do, where, like, the second female lead is being manipulative and he's, like, um, falling for it as a way to show how nice of a guy he is, but it and just yeah. ends up, like, fa- harming the heroine. And that always exactly. really strikes me. It rubs me the wrong way. Well, I think you never let her use him. It, yeah, in, but... Sort of weaponize that. Yeah. She never got anything over him, right? That's true. But she, like, when you're watching this for the first time, she feels like a very real threat to their relationship and she's really cruel to uh, Gomina. And don't you remember that scene uh, closer, sort of, in the second half where she was really, 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 really horrible to Shinu? And that was so yeah, upsetting. Yeah, that, I was, that so was upset. really upsetting. That's true. <laughs> so she was that. genuinely cruel. Yeah. Like, her feelings for Hang uh, Taekyung were genuine, you know? So they... They did a very smart thing, the writers, to uh, put that in. Because if she didn't have some, like, genuine, you know, deep uh, feelings for him, then she would have just been an evil, like, you know, yeah. uh, character. And then, you know, then it would have been, like, you know, it wouldn't have worked as well, I think. True. And I love how they redeemed her at the end. <laughs> like, she <laughs> helped them at yeah. the end. That was so sweet. <laughs> See, Korean dramas are good at that. <laughs> yeah, she just needed to grow up. She was yeah. Before we go into our final thoughts, that's one thing that I, I wanted to mention is that I think um, I think the reason that this works the best out of all the Hong Sisters dramas that I've seen is that because the characters are so young, the very over-the-top, heightened way that they write and the very sort of... Um, even though there is a lot of subtlety... There's also a lot of really obvious stuff that in a way that like it works really well with teenagers and like young t- people in their young 20s in a way that like it didn't quite work for me in The Greatest Love where like it was really well performed and, and the dialogue and everything was really well written. But then at the same time, you have this like 40 year old man who's like can't figure out that his heart is beating faster because he likes a woman. Like, oh, <laughs> come on, you know, like. It's okay if you're 18 or not. I don't know how old she's supposed to be in this, 20 or whatever. And you can't, or like, you can't figure out that you like someone or because you've just been in this like fake entertainment world for such a long time that like you can't access your feelings. That, I could buy that, you know? 
Um, so that's that's what it, I like is that they're very young, and so because of that, it really works. Oh, I just remembered the pug scene. That was a really good scene. Pogs. Hmm. Yeah, the Takji. Yeah, he's too good for pogs. <laughs> 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 Except when he starts playing with them and competing with her. <laughs> Yeah, he's always too good, and then he just gets drawn in. If like, I feel bad, I lose. <laughs> I was rewatching that scene where they go to the supermarket, and um, Jeremy's like, "Oh, remember when we did the CF for this product?" And then um, he then he like starts acting it out, and Wang Tigang's like, "Why would you do that? Don't do that!" But then like he starts and then he does it. Yeah, he does all of them because so cause it has to be done correctly. Right. You're going to make a fool of yourself here correctly. Exactly. And then he gets like really into it, and then he's like, "What am I doing? This is terrible!" And he leaves because he's embarrassed. <laughs> funny you know i never understood what that challenge was where he in at a variety show he had apparently eaten something a full vegetable the shaving or radish shaving radish, radish. <laughs> why did it always cut to black i never understood that yeah. what what was that about i think the queen of variety has to tell us well i don't <laughs> understand the cut i don't remember the cutting to black but i just they just didn't show him doing it He'd I think, hold up the radish and be like, ah. I think because it was so embarrassing, it was like, it couldn't be seen. Because you know how that thing, well, there's that thing where like when these um, K-pop idols are like real, like rookies and nobody knows them. Like one of the ways they become famous is by having like a personal talent that they do on these variety shows. So they like prepare them and bring them. And, oh, you know, either boy. whether that's like an impression of a famous person or like a weird thing that they can do with their body or their fate. You know, like some of them have like these duck noises or like frog noises or like the sound of falling I mean like you anything that you could imagine they're just they're just like a way to make people remember you and so you could like start trending on social media and like make people look up your clip you know like it's just a way to distinguish yourself so I guess like that's something that he did early on in his career and now he's like so deathly embarrassed by it that he doesn't even want to acknowledge that it exists meanwhile the other two are like yeah let's go watch that that was great <laughs> they kept it specifically so that they could watch it and laugh at him <laughs> yeah i mean i think we could just like keep talking about this forever because there's so many good moments but why don't we just give our final thoughts and wrap up since it's getting long you guys go first well let's me go first since the guest. Well, I feel like I've said everything that I wanted to say about this drama. Uh, but yeah, I never like I was just curious because of the song and I was seeing you're beautiful everywhere whenever I would, uh, you know, read anything about uh, K-dramas or anything to do with K-dramas. So just out of curiosity, I started watching it, but I never imagined that, you know, it would leave this kind of impact on me and I would, uh, you know, go on this emotional roller coaster with it. And, you know, I would uh, watch something that had so many, uh, you know, amazing facets uh, to it. It would be so complex, yet so basic to the human experience and... Um, you know, I just enjoyed it and it stayed with me and the music. I just, you know, you guys know how I feel about that. Yeah. And I came on here <laughs> as a result <laughs> on this <laughs> Dramas Over Flowers with these three beautiful girls. <laughs> Thank you so oh, much for coming. Tea. This was so, this was so nice. It was. Yeah. I feel weird giving final thoughts when I haven't watched the whole entire drama <laughs> in such a long time, but... I want to say it was actually really, really lovely to watch my mom watch this show because I just, I just came into her room one day and she was crying and I was like, oh my God, what's wrong? 
It's just like I'm watching you're beautiful and it's just like so good and it's just so emotional and so and then like for a few days she was just watching it and then after it was finished she like came into my room and she like got really emotional and like I I was just really touched by that and I I didn't think like I think I a lot of times when we watch especially Korean dramas or like movies and stuff I will cry and my mom usually doesn't cry and she'll be like, oh, I don't, you know, like, I don't really cry. Like, I used to cry at movies and stuff. I don't really cry anymore. And so, like, I'll be really emotional. And she maybe she'll have, like, a little bit of a tear. Or, but she doesn't really get that into it. So I was actually really surprised um, and moved to see how, like, emotional she got. You're Beautiful is my favorite drama ever. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure there are other dramas that I enjoy a lot or maybe even as much as You're Beautiful. But somehow that has stayed as the epitome in my head and I just and nothing has toppled it all the feelings I had when I was watching that drama everything that I um, felt about those characters and every thought that I had all of those things have taken up so much space in my head I really love that you felt so emotionally connected with this drama because you know it was my gateway <laughs> into <laughs> dramas yeah I think also like I was surprised because Maybe because it's been so long and because I watched this in like the first few months that I started watching dramas, I I think I had just like kind of dismissed it. And maybe also because like later on the Hong sisters disappointed me so badly that I think I had like forgotten how good it was and kind of dismissed it as just like this really cartoonish, uh, you know, like very over the top, silly drama that like I enjoyed and the dra- and the music was really good. But you know, like it was okay. It wasn't like it was good, but it wasn't like life changing. But I think... I'm remembering now, like watching, like listening to like a me talk about it and then like going back and actually like watching some of these scenes again and being like, oh, my heart, like it still has the same impact. So thanks for reminding me of that. You're welcome. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I really feel what you're feeling because that's probably why it spoke to me so much in that time as well, because that character of Gominum, I, it she came to me at a time in my life where I really needed that and there was a lot about her character and the way that she approached life that really resonated with me and not only did it do that but it also sort of offered a way through like how can you have this kind of personality and still be okay in the world in a world that wow. can be quite cruel that you you know you're you might not have the the ability to speak as loudly as other people perhaps or to assert yourself as strongly and in that way this drama was really sort of it gives you something to build on in your own character and in your own personality to cope with a world that can be quite harsh when you're not that kind of person and I really want to be holding a cat right now Boruma <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I need to go get you a box of tissues of me. Hold on. No, no, I'm good. I have some. I have a tissue. I have a tissue. Would you like a cat too? Barbara will send it through. Oh, Oh, she's so (laughs) cute. the internet at large. Yeah, Barbara is cuddling a big cat right now. So, yeah, it's, it's a gift and it's... Uh, like I was telling uh, Anissa that, you know, I feel like in such a heightened emotional state because I feel like I've experienced a level of beauty of, of human beings, of like visual beauty, of musical beauty that, uh, you know, is otherworldly. And, um, you know, these are gifts 
that we are able to experience through a life that can be very painful and very difficult at times. And, um, you know, so maybe it's an escape, but uh, it can be a, a good thing when it can help you, you know, give you hope and keep going. I think that's a really beautiful place to finish. Yeah. Yeah. Hashtag how K-drama saved my life. Yeah, I think that's, I think that's one of the things that is, we talk about it continuously, but like, the way that K-dramas make us feel, um, it's really something irreplaceable, you know? And I think that's why, you know, like, sometimes I'll think about, oh, like, we make a podcast about TV, like, that sounds so, like, uh, you know, lightweight or, or not not important in the scheme of things, you know, in the scheme of life. But there's something deeper, and I think that's why we keep coming back, and that's why, like, we form communities around sort of the conversations that we end up having because of these shows that we watch and like the, the things that we learn about ourselves and about other people. So yeah, it is, it's a blessing. All right. Thanks for um, joining us for this therapy session. (laughs) (laughs) Psychology background coming. Yeah. (laughs) You're welcome girls. You'll get, you'll be getting the bill in the mail. My final word, because I actually didn't. <laughs> yes, please go <laughs> ahead. I think we should give proper due to the best character in the entire drama, which is the real Gominam. The poor guy becomes invisible <laughs> because of his sister. There is erasure of his character, which, you know, is an injustice. <laughs> when he comes back from a traumatic surgery, he's not even welcomed warmly by his band members because his sister has totally taken his you know, place and <laughs> ruin the experience for him. I feel terrible. It's a tragedy that should be acknowledged. Thank you for your sacrifice, real Gominam. <laughs> yep. He wouldn't have had somewhere to come back to if she hadn't taken his place. Well, see, you... Okay, yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So she really saved him. Yes. Is that your right, actual... So fi- that's it. <laughs> that's it. <laughs> well, thank you so much for, for joining us. We really... Um, I, I feel like I succeeded my plan to, to you know convince you to come on. I was I was like very doubtful that you would actually join us, but I'm, we're so happy that you came and you had so much to say. And I think this is going to be a really great episode. So um, thank you. No, thank you for having me on. I enjoyed it so much. Thank you for making this episode possible, Auntie. Because we've been thinking of doing your beautiful for ages. It just wasn't happening. It worked out so well. <laughs> yes, clearly it was destiny. Yes. So as usual, you can find me on Twitter at Anisa Khalifa underscore. And you can find me, Saya, at NotNowSaya. And you can find me, Parma, at FesterFaster. You can find our podcast at Dramas Overflow on Twitter. And on Instagram, you can find us on Dramas Overflowers underscore. And you can find the blog at dramasoverflowers.net. Or you can email us. We miss emails. Please send us some emails <laughs> at dramasoverflowers at gmail.com. Dramas Over Flowers is part of the Frolic Podcast Network. Find more podcasts you'll love at frolic.media slash podcasts. And that's it. Thank you for listening. Thanks. Bye. 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 Bye.